It's giveaway time on interiority with Ethnic. Ethnic by Tunde Owolabi is a contemporary African design house that produces fashion accessories using the ancient Aso-Oke fabric, woven by artisans whose skill has been passed down over generations. Over the next five weeks, Ethnic and Interiority are giving away a pair of slip-ons to one lucky listener who answers the weekly question correctly. This week's answer is found in the words of Interiority guest, Andiswa Kebashe. And the question is, what was Andiswa Kebashe's father's occupation? What job, what work did Andiswa Kebashe's father do? To win a pair of slip-ons, send a direct message with your answer to at Interiority Podcast on Instagram. Show your inner world. When Andiswa Kebashe was a child, she was enamored with the 90s musical drama Sarafina. And just like Liliti Kumalo's character, she daydreamed of someday becoming president. But little did she know that someday she would be a messenger of the president's words to the deaf community. With over a decade of working as a sign language interpreter, she's become a staple on South African television screens. And she's become loved by a broader society for her animated, passionate sign interpreting which has elevated sign beyond the deaf community. She has signed for the South African president, cabinet ministers, US President Barack Obama, media mogul Oprah Winfrey, and on the art stages interpreting arresting works of art to the deaf community. Andiswa is advancing sign language across different platforms, and she's on an adventure of a lifetime, making words visible. So Interiority is a new podcast that I've just started, right? And Interiority really is about focusing on our inner worlds. Yes. You know, um, the things that drive us, that make us who we are, that shape our worldview, our reflections and our perspectives. So it really is an exploration about you know, um, black people are within, so to speak. And then, of course, yeah, it's, I, dressed, yes, it's dressed went, up and all the other stuff. I'm like, you're this English. What does whoa? You know, in a person, I know interior, I know in what's but in a human being. Ganjani. Ganjani, yes. I want your organs. I want the toe of your organs. Like which part of the insides? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. I'm going to remember that. Eh? I'm going to remember that. Because there I am thinking, oh, it's a dope name. It's a dope name. I had a different working title. And then I changed it to this one. Uh, having dinner, we I was just talking to someone and they're like, but what about, why don't you use this word? Because I had used this word to describe the other title, you know, as part of the description of the other title. And they were like, yes. why don't you just call it this? And I thought, hmm. Hmm. Okay. Fancy, fancy. Fancy, schmancy. (laughs) And let's see if we can have a fancy conversation. I don't know. You see, and and it's such a conversation starter when you send it to someone because they'll be like, hmm, okay. So that I also look on the same pie. Let's go. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. I'm glad. You, yeah. This is giving me insight to the first person who's kind of, because the other people I was just using the other working title. You're the first person that I've invited with this name. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm so blessed. <laughs> I'm normally the first in most of the things. 
Wow, tell me about that. What do you mean? I, I'm the first, like, did you know that syndrome of the black, the first black, the first female, what, what, the first? Yes. I'm the first at almost everything. Like what? When have you been the first, apart from, of course, this podcast under this working title? <laughs> <laughs> I am the first hearing person who went to a deaf school in high school. Mm. So are I'm you saying the, that at school, um, the rest of the student body and the teachers were deaf and you were the only hearing person or in the student body? Yes, I was the only, I was the only hearing student or learner because yeah, this is yeah. high school and wow. all, all my classmates were deaf. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The first one to be on the newspaper at home. The first one to appear on a small screen on a television. <laughs> you know, the first one to come to Joe work. You know, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been many first. Wow. The first to get married, the first to divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so now I need to be the first to remarry. Right. Finish the circle, right? Finish that loop. Just once. (laughs) And you see, that's the thing, because here we are often associating being the first with only or mostly the good side of life. But there are also those other firsts, right? That can be like, did I have to go and be the first one to do that thing? You know what I mean? You're like, why? (laughs) Hmm. Why is it necessary? Really? Why is it necessary? But are there firsts that you would like that are part of your own intention, your own ambition and dream? Y- yes. Um, I mean, in, in, in my field, I've, I, I, I'm not the first to obviously to do entertainment interpreting, but I'm the first to do it right. Mm-hmm. And by that, I've said, um, I've, I've shaped the profession mm-hmm. on how, uh, media interpretation slash entertainment interpretation should look like in Africa, in South Africa, because we're not like other countries in Europe and America because we they don't have the swag that we have and they don't have the culture and the richness that we have as black people in Africa. Um, yeah. When we interpret our music, it has rhyme, it has rhythm. Our, our, our poetry, <clears throat> excuse me, our stories, you know, when I sign Sawona, it's not just a hi, it's I see you and your people and where you come from. Mm. So I'm, 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 I'm blessed and fortunate that I am the first to be on the spotlight to highlight and shape the industry in that fashion. So that first I'm glad of. So uh, you sound like you're soaking up the firsts, but they also come with a lot of responsibility. You know, they also come with oh, their yes. own, I'm going to call it responsibility critique. because it's, it's, yeah, it's not baggage necessarily, but yes, it's responsibility that critique uh, the, the bar, you know, it's almost like you're placing the bar somewhere, um, whereas yes. maybe it wasn't anywhere really, but you come and you say right here, placing it here. And it's for those yeah. that are coming to to kind of surpass it or to to change that. So, how do you feel about that aspect of the firsts and their responsibilities? Um, I I had an idea of what responsibility would look like or what critique would feel like, but having to live it as a lived experience, it is very hard. 
because mm. now it's hard to make a mistake because now this is now we want to see and you're always as good as your last theater piece that you've interpreted you are as good as your last song that you interpreted you know and even that because once you put it in a public platform you have opened yourself up for it to be used as research material for it to be analyzed for it to be critiqued or praised so um it it's it it is hard especially since in my profession it was started by white people professionally or people that were given an opportunity and mm-hmm. here i am a black girl <laughs> from <laughs> from the township mm. you know coming to change things you know it is um in some circles it is still frowned upon simply because i'm black Mm. and i'm female mm. and i'm short it doesn't help that i'm dark skin <laughs> as well sure. yeah you know? so um it 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 um i didn't i didn't expect that um the bar would be this high or the call or the responsibility would be this high now i can't just joke and post anything no because or, you have all sorts of eyes on you um, and, yes. and you do I hear as you say like you feel that you have such a level of responsibility to different stakeholders um, mm. and these stakeholders are all important but having spoken yes. to you before I have no question that the most important stakeholder for you are the very people that you serve and that is the deaf community yes that's correct Mm. I mean, I've just loved, you know, I stalk you, right? And I love watching <laughs> your job. Uh, don't miss these briefings or anything that's happening thinking, is it going to be? Is it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yesterday, because, yesterday, yeah. I had no idea because we never know when is number one going to speak. It's like top mm. secret. Mm. So I was minding my own business. I knew because I got so many WhatsApp and SMSs. Are we seeing you tonight? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, eight eight okay. o'clock is coming. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, eight o'clock is coming, but it's not me today. Yes. <laughs> I'm not on court. But I just so it, you've uh, been it, doing this, you've been doing this a while, but this COVID and lockdown period has done something else. What is this energy? What what is going on in your assessment? I mean, I've I've been interpreting professionally for ten years. Yeah. But the love of what I do has been enhanced and highlighted um, because everyone is now paying attention. And and, and my, my my mother um, loves saying favor is not fair. You know mm. that there could be ten of you. You know who are equally good because they're equally good interpreters. They are amazing. Um, and there are some interpreters who are even better than me who should be interpreting there, like your Asanda Kajwa, your Tebisos, your Natasha Parkins. Um, but for some reason, the light just fell on me and it was go, it is your time, shine. And I've always been faithful to doing what I love and working. And I'm very fortunate that even when I work, I work with people that I genuinely like. Mm-hmm. I flourish better in a loving environment. And I guess speaking of inwards, <laughs> you know, what is inside, you know, for it to come out and shine, um, it, 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 it comes as a second nature because I really, really love what I'm doing. 
I wouldn't do anything else but what I'm doing. That's so powerful what you're saying because the interest and the light that you speak of, you know, just shone brighter. And perhaps is it a reflection of where you are at the moment and what's happening with you within, with yourself, within yourself? Yes, it is. You know, um, I I separated 2017 um, with the man I'm still legally married to. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. And <laughs> 2017, I don't even remember what happened that year because I was a zombie and mm-hmm. I only started therapy in, 27, in 2018. Mm-hmm. And I got help. I got help from my family, from my friends. And 2019 was really... Because I went back to school 2019. I registered at West University to do linguistics. That's when I was starting to pick up my life and claim my life better. And this year, January, I made a conscious decision that I will not do anything that does not bring me joy. Everything that I'm going to do, it has to serve the higher purpose. Am I going to make an impact? Am I going to change someone's life? Is it going to bring me peace? And I've been in a very peaceful and a happy space since January this year. As much as we are under this lockdown and people are going through different things, I am at the most happiest and I'm so peaceful. I'm very content with being a single mom, being an interpreter, being a student, being a daughter, everything else I shall follow. But I'm very happy with me and taking care of my spirit man as well. That So this year has been really a blessing. I, I'm very happy. I'm, I love myself. Like, you know, like to go back and like, actually, I love myself, you know. Mm. Um, so maybe that also shows in my work. Yeah. Now, I'm a firm believer mm-hmm. in a lot of ways that what we see in the physical world is a manifestation of what is happening within us. You know, whether it is the trauma we carry, whether it is uh, the peace that we have, very often, you know, what happens on the outside, how people experience us is a reflection of what is our, our internal states, you know, what is happening within us. And so that's how I was saying to you about this moment being tied to where you are, you know, as a human being, where you find yourself as a human being right now. And it absolutely just, it's, it shouts that, it screams that. Um, so you're a coder, right? And you grew up with your parents. How many other children were at home? Um, I'm, I'm the baby. I have an older sister, um, but I'm the baby of the family and I'm very spoiled. (laughs) Like my father, I'm super, like I used to shy away from the fact that I'm spoiled, but I tell you, I'm very spoiled. (laughs) I'm very spoiled and I'm owning that. Yes. Good. That is that is so adorable. So your parents, of course, both of them present. Um, tell me about them. Uh, oh, very. They've been married for. They got married eighty one, so they've been married for thirty, thirty eight, thirty nine years, um, and they're very loving. Like my dad, up to to date, my father buys my mom a Valentine's card. <laughs> oh my every goodness. year. 
since upgraded now, he buys fresh flowers. But he used to buy, you know, those plastic fake. <laughs> yes. Um, roses. Yes. And then those cards that used to sing if you open them and they're singing I love you or they have a heart. Oh. Yes. So I come from a very loving family. You know, my mom is hearing. She's a nurse. And my father is deaf and being... Uh, used to be a stand-up comedian and he's an artist in his own right. He did a lot of plays and um, a playhouse in Durban. Mm-hmm. So I come from a very loving, protective family, of which is why when my marriage didn't work, it really hit me hard to that. I mean, I thought most, I got the blueprint. I know what to yes. do. <laughs> yes, because that's, that's what we think. That's what we grew up thinking. You see, my parents were yes. divorced and I've also been divorced, right? And uh, not the opposite necessarily, but I was thinking, I'm going to break that. I'm going to change that. And then when I wasn't able to change that and have the the lifelong kind of the lifelong marriage, um, I was also devastated. I don't know what it is with when marriage doesn't work out that still leaves you so devastated. And so like as if you you didn't get something right, you know, you didn't achieve that thing. And it takes a lot yeah. of work to undo that learning about that perception yes. of of it uh, not working out. Yeah, that's very true. As, 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 especially for us black women, because we we are raised or we are taught or we come from a school, whether you learn this from home or you hear it in the street or in the radio, that as a woman, you know, you are, you know, you are the rock, you are the foundation, you are the this. And that is a huge responsibility on one person. <laughs> it rises or it fails because of you. That's often of how course. it feels. Yes. And that that's just that's just bad. I'm I but but I'm glad that my family, um Yo, man, they're very loving, Azania. Like, my parents were the first person to say, okay, come home. Like, no questions asked. They were like, okay, come home. And they embraced me. They they loved me. They licked all my wounds, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, come. Their their love was just a balm for all those wounds to heal. That you know, precious because you know what, and so not many of us get to see black love like that. Um, yes. Many of us, you'll find that oh, one or both parents abandoned, maybe abandoned us. We're being raised by relatives or by our grandparents, uh, or mm. that if we do witness it, it's often a very toxic relationship that we grow up seeing. You know, and so we often don't carry a lot of hope about love, about black love, yeah. that it can happen for me too, that I can have that kind of relationship that my mom, that Andiswa's mom and Andiswa's dad had and continue to have. So even speaking mm-hmm. to friends, I find that there is this almost resignation that, you know what, I'm I'm not entirely optimistic that love is going to happen for me in the way that I hope it would. Then I accept that maybe I'll, I'll be dating a man who's not all in. Or as a man, I won't be all in. Because we just never had that example or we what we associate with Black love is riddled with challenges and, and issues and almost like that dream will never be. Yeah, sadly. 
So you're like, but listen, I, I, I still believe in love. <laughs> mm-hmm. Me too. Me I, too. I, Trust I, me, I still I do too. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on some love leaves here, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I just love the sound of your parents. In all honesty, I can I can see them through you, uh, listening to you, hearing the person you are. It kind of gives a glimpse of who your parents are. Yes, and and they love way louder than I do. My my house is like a mini, like it's just only four of us. It's my mom, my dad, my sister, and I, and our kids. My niece and my niece's name is Azania. Oh, you see, do you see why I stalk you? Do you see why I'm like this with you? <laughs> but it, the house is so loud, and because my father is deaf and experiences music through vibration, so the mm. volume at home is always high. And yeah. my father loves home and hip hop. And simply because it has the um, the vibration is felt mm. more because of the bass, mm. and he doesn't like jazz or all of those love songs and no slow jam, no. Yeah. So my house is always lit. I get the latest music and the latest dance moves from my dad. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> I just love it. I think uh, someone used to commission a reality show. Um, of your family I can see it I hope you can see it I can definitely see it I'd be tuning in every week I can see it it would be hilarious it would be amazing bring us into the fold please let us in (laughs) yes so you um, when we spoke before you said that you actually learned how to sign before you could actually speak how young were you as a baby I think I was a couple of months because um, I started teaching my daughter at eight months how to sign. Um, I would sign to her so that if she needs milk, she can sign milk. Or if there's something wrong, she can express herself because Mm. kids pick up language at age one, two when they can express themselves. So I can't remember the exact time I knew how to sign. I just know that I've been signing ever since I could remember. Mm. And then um, spoke later. I mean, I, my, my parents always tell me the same story every year. <laughs> because yeah, they how tell did me, it go? Um, that in, in preschool, which is grade R now, or I don't know mm. whether it was grade RR or not, not not at that time. And when I went to school, I refused to speak yeah. because we sign at home and I didn't understand why our kids speaking and the teachers speaking and not signing. So mm. my parents had to come to school and tell me that, no, here it's okay. You can you speak. Can um, and then at home, you can sign. So that was in primary school. And then in high school, you were then in a deaf school. Yes. And then, um, so I went to a hearing high school for grade standard six and standard seven. And then I just didn't fit in. <laughs> I did not fit in with the hearing people. I just found hearing people very awkward mm-hmm. and loud sometimes. And the culture was different because I had to, I live between two cultures, the deaf culture and the hearing culture. Mm. And sometimes the hearing culture was just too much. But also my, I, I had a teacher at Standard 7, which is grade 9. 
who was not very nice. Um, like she made fun of my dad in front of the whole class that mm-hmm. I have a deaf father and how how do because I think we were doing some biology and we were talking about sex and stuff like that and mm-hmm. that um, how do a people with a disability have sex and what's that not. I remember that they very clearly. And yeah. she made an example about my parents. Mm. I could not handle it. I said, no, these people are mean and cruel. <laughs> I'm out of yeah. here. I, at, at, at standard seven, I knew that the following year I'm not coming back. I'm going to a deaf school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had decided in my heart and I went to look for a school on my own and then I came back to tell my parents that I was not asking I was just informing them yes, <laughs> that the I've taken a decision to changing mm-hmm. <laughs> that I have taken a decision that I'm going to the school and like the way that my parents raised me of which I pray that I have some of their wisdom in raising my daughter they raised us as very free like we're very free they allowed mm. us to do whatever that we wanted to do, as long as it was still in line with the family values mm. and, 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 and principles, you know. So they really didn't give me an issue. They're like, you want to go to a deaf school? What are your reasons? I said, okay, they, 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 this is my case. Okay, cool. These are the possibilities. This could happen. This could happen. Are you prepared to face A and B and C and D? And should it not work, what's your plan B? Yeah, you know, so they would make us think critically and plan and for you even before you go to them, because you know what type of questions they're going to ask you. You have an entire presentation that this is what I'm going to do. (laughs) And these, this could go wrong and this could, you know, so they allowed me to go to a day of school. And um, when I had to do matric, because at that time, um, there was no matric um, at, at day of schools. It was only like, six, seven years ago where mm-hmm. you can do matric at a deaf school. And mm. I had to go back to a hearing school to go and finish my matric. And my mom said, are you prepared to do all of that? I said, yes, sign me up. Mm. Um, yeah, but I'm very grateful in how they raised us. We, we, um, we're not hippies, but almost <laughs> like it's <laughs> almost hippies. We are, yeah, almost hippies. There are no... Mm-hmm. Um, the typical cultural, this is the role of a woman and this is a role of, um, as, as a black person, we were just, yeah. if you want to do it, go ahead, do it. You, you lived know. your life yeah, as a family. So yes. you really raise a couple of interesting things that I want to explore a little bit. Um, and the first one is about the cultures. And I think the incredible lessons that we can learn, but first just talk to me about what you find to be distinct in the deaf culture and the hearing culture, just so that I I, want to understand what it is that you were missing and what you were shocked to, to, to experience from, you know, one and the other. Uh, Often in, in deaf culture, people say what they mean and mean what they say. That's one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's very honest. It's, um, it, it's it's very honest and you and and you feel it like it's in the texture of how someone signs how they express themselves because it's a visual language it's an expressive language so if someone is, loves you 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 feel it in their smile in their laughter in in their warmthness 
with the hearing culture, it's no here nor there. <laughs> mm. You know, it's and and sometimes even now, sometimes I still struggle because I have to read the room, and then I know which hat I'm wearing. Right. You know, am I going to be free or am I going to have to act? a certain manner or this and this. Um, But with deaf culture, there's not much of reading the room before you act. You are kind of welcome as you are and you are less judged. Um, And I I, I think because I'll just speak of my father because my father is not exposed to TV and radio because it's not accessible to him. So he's not influenced by what he hears from the media of what are the standards of certain things of what is expected. So he does what naturally comes to him, Mm. you know, as a God in his own right. And then he transferred that culture to me and my sister. So sometimes we feel misplaced when we are with hearing people only, you know, we're like, Oh, okay. Oh yeah. We are with hearing people. This is how we must behave. You know, it's kind of like a switch, (laughs) you know, okay. Now I'm here. You know, oh, okay, now I'm here. Um, that, that's that's um, that's balancing two different cultures, and um, yeah. But I I I'm very glad that I I'm exposed to both cultures. Yes, because you are multilingual, right? And on top of that, you're able to 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 bridge and be comfortable in or operate, I should say we've just looked at the comfort issue that it's not always comfortable, but and operate in all these different settings. Uh, And therefore your life is richer for it. In fact, I feel like we're the ones that are really missing out. Uh, Like you described that the deaf culture, there's just such a level of direct uh, or the connection with another human being doesn't have to go through these multiple filters that it's just so much more, you know, direct, it's, 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 it's yeah. connecting immediately without all these other layers. So I do feel like in our arrogance, in our um, privilege, so to speak, and I'm not even sure, maybe you can guide if that is even the right word, that we yeah. are poorer for it because the richness of experience is, 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 is lacking. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's like a small baby. Like um, you, if you're a small baby, there's, um, I, I saw some ad um, in in um, one of these uh, Black Lives Matters where mm. a young white boy was asked, do you see a difference between a black child and a white child? And what's the difference? And the child says, I see a boy and a girl. That right. there are things that as, as hearing people that we are taught via media or via family meetings, things that you pick up that you hear. But when you are deaf, um, as as much as it is good to have access to information, but you don't get to be fed a a stereotype or a propaganda or brainwash in a in a in a certain fashion. You get to detect what feels right to you or what you see in front of you. Mm. Yeah, it definitely does feel does feel like um that it's a, just a superior ability to function healthily in the world. Yes. That the deaf culture is just uh, what it how it exists 
is a demonstration of, uh, it just has a superiority in terms of its ability to function more healthily in the world. And I'm finding myself really envious, <laughs> really jealous of that. <laughs> like, why shorter? Something, you know, why shorter? That's how you want to go back to your parents and say, you robbed me of this? I know, I know. I was going to be multi, you know, I want to know how to speak and how to sign all at once or simultaneously. But the other thing that you um, touched on when you were talking about your teacher is of course the prejudice that you will experience. So perhaps also the love that you have as a family served as an insulation uh, and a safe place. Definitely Definitely a safe, psychologically, you gave yourselves a safe space uh, because you Mm. know that the world is is not friendly. The world isn't necessarily kind to people who are deaf like your father. So were there times when you, when, when apart from the example with your teachers where you experienced this unkindness? Yes. And I think, yo, my mom, my mom is an amazing woman. I don't think my family and um, we would be where we are if it wasn't for that woman. Mm -hmm. And I guess she suffered the most because she was married to um, this disabled man, this man that is deaf and uses sign language. And she experienced it the most in the community and uh, partly with her family, you know, my my uncles and stuff. But she, because she experienced it first and then she made it her agenda and her mission to protect me and my sister, but not only to protect, but to to prepare us so that we can stand up and fight for, for, for ourselves. That I'm born into this family. I didn't choose to be in this family. Yes, my father is deaf, but so what? And, you know, mm. so, she, mm. so she, she, she armed us with so much knowledge on deaf culture and loving and respecting my dad. That, I mean, I only realized when maybe I was, I don't know, but later on in primary school that my father's indifferent because I didn't see anything wrong with my dad. I was told at school that my father has a disability because I didn't know that and I didn't see it as a disability. So my mom made sure that she create an open and a safe space for us to even go to her and talk to her about anything and everything. I mean, my parents are so open, even about money. You know, like my parents are the typical, at the time before my mom was a nurse, she used to work at a factory. And every Friday they get a pay sleep, you know, Mosefic Trinidad and Grand Friday. The wages, the weekly wages. Yes. (laughs) We would Mm. literally have a family meeting every Friday or Saturday morning with my mom pay sleep on the table and my dad's pay sleep and the paper on the side to draw the budget. That this is how much your dad made. This is how much I made. This is how much we have as that as this household. Uh-huh. So you can get this because you see we have to buy usofa because we have to buy this and this and this. So <laughs> we're gonna eat kabishi for the whole week. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's how open my parents were, and also. If my father wasn't deaf again, and if we were not growing up in a deaf culture, I don't think we were going to be exposed to that. I mean, who knows how much their parents make and, you know, a family budget. And that was when I was in primary and all my life, 
And we are so open at home that we all know how much everyone makes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> to date, yeah. that's how open. And that's which is so something strange. It would be strange to so many of us. I can't tell you what my siblings earn. I mean, yes, my mom's my mom is retired now, so I have a sense of what her retirement allows her, what her allowance is every month, you know, from her retirement and all that. Yes. When we were growing up, we didn't know how much she earned. But what I do recall was my brother finding her payslip because my parents were divorced, raised by my mother, who was a, who was a nurse as well, and she, yes. uh, my brother found her payslip, and this was in his late te- early twenties, actually. And he was shocked. He said, you did all of that, you know, in terms of how she raised us, you did all of that on that much, on that amount of money, you know, and it was humbling for him to know how much he earned. Um, but hmm. otherwise, it's something that uh, I, I know nothing about other people's earnings. It's <laughs> just so it's, refreshing. And there's also another different thing about hearing people. It's like, why are the secrets? <laughs> <laughs> Are you so tired of all these secrets you must guard and protect all the time? You know, (laughs) and then you get to companies, you get to companies in production that says, yes, your contract is your secret. Your colleagues cannot know how much you earn. I'm like, why though? Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is, which is very different because we very, and sometimes I make a mistake and like, you know, they were promising me this amount. And what do you think? How much do they pay you? <laughs> a vague answer, right? You get a vague answer. <laughs> and they were like, uh, Andy, we're not sure if you should talk about that. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I love my culture. <laughs> Yes, I can see why. Do you understand? See. I can see why. Because obviously yes. all those things have shaped how you deal with things like money, how you deal with things like love, you know, how you deal yes. with your responsibility to a broader community. You know, it's, yes. it's it's rich and it's obviously something that not many people get to experience. And so it's a very unique yes point of view so if you've been if you're wondering if you wondered like how i've already spoken to her on the radio why am i speaking to her again you know it's (laughs) precisely that that what we shared initially i did for me i walked away thinking there must be like this rich tapestry like an incredibly uh wealthy intricate trap tapestry to your life um, and it's certainly really blowing me away with some of the things that we've been talking about. But then you talk about your, uh, what you were saying about your teacher and how your mom made sure that you guys would be protected and shielded from this unkind world. But at yes. the same time, it is, you, you then know how to include, right? It, it, it teaches you how to treat other people and how to include because yes we talk about diversity and inclusion right now it's been you know a hot topic over the past couple of years and so on mm. uh, but it's possible for there to be a diverse group of people but at the same time for people to still feel excluded within even within that diversity so yeah, what you sure. i guess have have been have learned growing up is how to to embrace and include 
other people. Yes. Um, it's it's um and also that's because I sometimes even at thirty four, you you get to a certain circles, you know, um of work and you can already feel the exclusion. You feel it in the air. Yeah. So um I tend to if I'm in a position of not excluding somebody, I acknowledge everybody. I have so many people who think they are my best friends and I've just <laughs> met them. <laughs> I think you're talking about me. <laughs> well, Azania, we are best friends. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and yeah. because, yeah, like I, because again, that cliche say of people may not remember what you said, but they always remember how you make them feel. Yes, Maya Angelou. And yeah. I take that with me all the time. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. when I met Oprah and I was interpreting when they were doing the um, global citizen, what, what, what not. Mm-hmm. And she walked up to me after I just interpreted and she said, you are great. You are so amazing. Yeah. And from that day, ah, Azania, I don't care who says what, me, I'm great. <laughs> me. told me so. Yeah. Ah, me, I'm great. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it, so it is always important to do to others what we want done to us. And it always comes back. So sign yeah. has obviously enriched your world. And where has it taken you? Yo, Azania, um, <laughs> I've traveled the world I through sign language. I mean, my last trip was in Brazil last year when there was a, a, um, a BRICS um, youth summit in, in, in Brazil with NYTA. Yeah. But I, yo, man, I remember when I went to, was it 2008? 2018, yes, in me going to therapy and finding myself, I did the most daring thing. I went online and I said the, the cheapest flight to anywhere outside of South Africa, I'm booking it and I'm going there. <laughs> and it was India. Oh, um, what it was in year India. was that? Um, 2018. Was it, what part of the year? Was it off-season, um, summer, winter? It was, no, it was June, yes, June, July. Okay, so summer there, okay. And off you went yes. to India? Off I went to India, off I went to Kolkata, where there is zero English. And the first thing I did was finding deaf people in India. The most amazing experience. And what was funny is that uh, that I would tell the deaf people what I want and then they will mouth in in the Indian language and then then the deaf person would be my interpreter basically. Ah, it right. was so I, yes, because of sign language and because of the family I come from, I see myself as a global citizen because mm-hmm. as long as there's there are deaf people, I'm at home. Mm, anyway mm. in the world give me deaf people and regardless of their race um i'm i'm at home yeah because racism in deafness it's it's something new that is being started by these old these new kids but we didn't see race it was deaf against hearing right right so there wasn't <laughs> that racism thing so and hence, I never felt inferior when I'm with white people. I'm like, okay, so we are human. Mm-hmm. 
I'm human mm-hmm. and I never suffered from what we what we as black people suffer some black people suffer from that inferior which is which is um imposed to us as well because yeah. we are taught that white is better and this and this and this but yeah. luckily for me I I was not exposed to that because if I could sign and you could sign and we are white we are equals Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I'm I'm blessed in that regard, and I'm blessed that sign language. I've met Oprah, I've met Obama, I and very soon I'm going to share a stage with Beyonce. She doesn't know this yet, but <laughs> me and her, we're going to be on the same stage, <laughs> on the same damn stage, and on you the same damn stage. Yes, you'll yes. be signing Lemonade, you know, the songs from that Lemonade. Works. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's so many people that I'm best friends with, but they don't know, like, including you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. but in my head, like, in the inside, you know, in the inwards, like, interior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this one is my friend, you know? Yeah. And this one is my family <laughs> member. can <laughs> be. Yes. Now, so now, now that you talk about Beyonce, um, and I, I must say that every time I see sign language interpreters on screen, I do feel very proud. I feel re- really proud. It's a moment um, and a reason to be proud of South Africa that we do go to those lengths to be as inclusive yes. as possible. And I know that it's during the news, it's during things like um, the president addressing the nation around lockdown measures and things like that, that it's not 24-7. I know that mm. there are still massive gaps in what uh, a deaf person, in, in, in the taking in of the world that we haven't built yes. yet. Do you see a time? Um, is it possible? Are there places that are already doing that, providing um, interpretation 24-7? Um, in, in Africa, not yet, but we are, South Africa is doing much better than other African countries and then other countries as well. Um, even outside of Africa, they, in other countries, what they do, they will have a channel Mm. that, um, is different or that has deaf movies, deaf, um, drama news, the world. Um, in um, in 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 the Netherlands, in Amsterdam yeah. specifically, um, South Africa, we have made progress. Like I don't want to lie, we have made progress. But oh. until our TV producers understand and see the need, I mean, last week I worked with a certain producer, and mm. um, I was explaining my job and my role and um, the size of my box, how. <laughs> my size should be and she side eyed me and <laughs> said no that's not going to work visually for my picture when I said okay then why am I here yeah then it's pointless for me to be here because we are doing another ticking a box exercise mm. so you know like yeah we have her because when that box is so tiny and on the left-hand side, somewhere far there, yeah. it that's like if you're hearing, if you're listening to something with the volume on number two mm-hmm. and you're struggling to hear what is being said, when that size of a box is decreased. And um, I said, if you 
not willing to do this, I will refer another interpreter, but I will not enable you to use me as a ticking exercise box. Yeah. And I, and I walked away. Um, <laughs> so sometimes we have to go to those lengths for people to learn because there's some people who just don't want to learn. Mm. You know, we, they we, don't... We, we're seeing with the, as you were saying earlier at the start, that you definitely have been a pioneer in uh, growing and providing entertainment sign interpretation, right? Um, whether yes. it's the market theater, theater production, whether it's a music video, whether it's youth content, we do need to normalize this, agitate for more of it. And as you say, the obstacles are, are, are still there. Yeah, they're still there. But we have made great progress. If yeah. you look when um, number one is addressing the nation, this mm. is the first time in South Africa <laughs> the size of an interpreter is very lit, is lit well. Mm. <laughs> it has mm. a, a lookable background. <laughs> and the size is, you know, it's a correct size. We're not wanting to be on the big screen and stuff. But it's it's big enough for 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 a deaf person to hear, and I say yeah. hear because they hear with that with their eyes, so it's big enough for them to see, you know. Mm. So which is which is also amazing because, um, meaning even when we give this advice and counsel that this is how it works, um, and to have people who are willing to listen and action you know, what we're advising them on. We are really making yes. progress. We're not there, obviously, but we will get there. Yeah. And the language is developing, right? Sign language, South it African is. sign language continues to evolve. I was thinking of what you said earlier about Saubona, you know, how you yes. express that in sign and that it's not just a wave, it's not just a hello, because the word has so much more meaning um, mm. You have to also be able to bring that forth. So, how do you bring nuance to to sign language to interpretation? Mm. Um, so, with 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 interpreting, you interpret the meaning. So, which makes it hard for one to interpret if they don't understand what is being said, the or the background, or the history, or that cultural touch on what is being said. Yeah. Um, so it for any interpreter, reading is not even a negotiation. You have to be well read. <laughs> you have to and meaning. What does it mean? It mm. has to be your friend all the time, and you almost have to be a subject expert in almost everything. Wow, and the things that do you, you have? Know, do you have a specific area of of expertise or subjects that you tend to focus on? For me, it is media. It is anything that is artistic. I okay. I specialize in that, um, mm. and also I'm starting a trend of specializing in a certain field, because yeah. in countries like America, you find medical interpreters who only deal 
with medical staff. So meaning when Minister of Health would speak, you would get an interpreter who specialized in medical interpreting. Mm. And then if you, if they are speaking of, um, I don't know, four IRs and what, what, what not, and then you get an interpreter who specialized in that field. In South yes. Africa, we don't have that, you know, because of our history and other factors. And the fact that we're not even regulated as the profession. You know, mm. God knows that Department of Arts and Culture. <laughs> One day. Yes. And then Tamsang, uh, uh, remember from a few years ago. <laughs> yes, oh, which is why he was sure. not arrested, Azania. Mm. Because mm. there aren't regulations. How are you going gonna to arrest him based on what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So um, you have to be worried. I mean, there, there are specific things that I personally don't interpret. I don't do court interpreting. Um, okay. One, emotionally, I'm not strong enough for it because mm-hmm. anything is possible in court. I'm not strong enough for court emotionally. Um, and I don't have the vocabulary for court interpreting. Okay. Yes. But it needs for one to be honest enough to say, uh-uh. Thank you, but no thank you. I'll refer you to a Thelma, I'll refer you to a Natasha or a Asanda or a Zepiso mm-hmm. who specializes in this. You know, so um, we we are slowly getting there. We still get some Samajanchis on our screens now and again. And mm. it's just like, oh God. <laughs> mm. You know, hey, okay, let's just keep quiet. You know, there's somebody yeah. there. You know, but unfortunately, when if you had a TV station, how do you verify me as an interpreter? Exactly. Because you just want to exactly. take some exact, because you, you, you might just take someone who claims they know the language and maybe they do know the language. But knowing the language does not mean they can interpret. That's what you always say. You always say that knowing sign doesn't make you an interpreter. Yes. And I say this because many corporate and government um, department uses 90% people who know sign language and Mm -hmm. no trained interpreters and only 10% trained interpreters. And hence, so, like what we were saying now about knowing how to communicate nuance, uh, being culturally yes. sensitive, culturally aware, yes. topic aware. Yes. Um, and yes. this is how you, you, you can then achieve success. Yes. Yes. I mean, there was, there was um, a person who knows sign language when um, the king, the Zulu king, um, King Zulitini signed when I went love. She yeah. literally signed you of the elephant. Wow. And I'm just wow. like, you see? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You of the elephant. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Mm. Why, w- why would you do that? You know? Mm. And again, because as, as an interpreter, you are, you bridge between different cultures, between languages. Mm-hmm. You are the bridge of all these things, even the things that are not seen. Or hurt, but you have to you have to be really in tune with what is happening. As these youngsters would say, read the room. You know, this cross cross generation. They're like, yeah, you must read the room, girl. Um, <laughs> yes. I want to understand, like, cognitively. I want to understand what is going on, what you are doing, because obviously there are lots of different things happening. You're listening. And you then have to process what you're listening 
two. Yes. So, yeah. And then translate that, of course, and interpret that into, into signs. Just take me through these different steps that we probably don't see. You make it look so seamless. You know, it just looks and like you, you immediately responsive to every word. But what is happening? What is it that you're doing? You know, there's a lot of things that are happening. I, and All hence, there's yeah. this, yes, you know, hence there's the small and leg time um, when the president speaks or when the speaker speaks. And then you start slightly later, you know, and there's the small and delayed. Um, because one, you hear in English mm. and you have to hear to understand. And then in your brain, you're, you're hearing this, you're understanding this, you're analyzing it in your head. And for someone like me, and then I translate it in Isuzu mm. to see if, is it even making sense? Because if I can translate it to another language, then I can understand it. If I can't hear it in Isuzu, then it's not making sense to me. Mm-hmm. And then I reproduce it in South African Sign Language, which is a different um, language altogether. Mm. And this is happening simultaneously, which is why when you are an interpreter, you have to be at least be above average. You know, you IQ, Nyana, you know, you have to be yeah. a little smart, you know. <laughs> you know, you have to be, you know, we're not geniuses, but you know, you have to be at least there. Um, mm. So, and you have to have an excellent memory. Because um, sign language has um, five parameters, which is placement, movement, um, hand shape, um, facial expression, all of those things. So if you are going to speak of going home or um, that the police came to a certain community, you need Mm -hmm. to know where were the police coming from. Ah. You need to place the community because it's basically painting a picture. You yeah. place the community, if you're placing it on the left-hand side, then the police can come on the left-hand side also. Then the police mm. have to come from the right-hand side and they came in the attack way. Did they attack from the back, from the side, from the front, from the weight? Was this helicopters? You know, mm. how was it going? Yes. And after that, if they referred back in the middle of the sentence to that community, you're not signing that community. You are merely pointing because you've already positioned that. Right. So you are, you are pointing as to refer to that community. And then you're saying the police or the soldiers that came from there, this and mm-hmm. this and this happened to them. You know, so it, it's almost painting a picture of what is being said. You're bringing words into this visible language and this, I, I, I find sign language very poetic, you know, because you literally, because I listen in pictures. Yes. When you speak, I see a picture of, okay, this must, this must look like this and this and this. Hence, I'm saying the importance of being well-read as well. Um, because if they are talking about, I don't know, um, something that happened in China or something that happened in Brazil and it was a by the way or it was an in-joke, you need to know that in-joke mm-hmm. of what happened. Mm-hmm. So so you can, you know, quickly give a background so we can all mm. laugh, you know, don't laugh alone. Because we also Mm. want to laugh as deaf people. So you have to think on your toes all the time. Hence, I'm saying you you can't be slow and be a sign language interpreter. 
Wow. Also, such agility. It doesn't sound like you need incredible mental agility. You must be exhausted Mm. after after one one of those sessions. It is. And which is why if something is more than an hour, it is impossible for one interpreter to interpret alone. Because for me, after 45 minutes or after Mm. an hour, my brain is done. Mm. After that, I'm doing nonsense after that. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is is so draining because it takes everything inside of you. Like you leave it there on the floor and then your co-interpreter would relieve you in this because you're doing you're doing other things in your brain and it is it's not hard I mean it's very hard but it's something that's doable but it needs you to have a certain level of intelligence you need to have some pocket of intelligence you know I'm listening to you speak but what you said earlier about um, sign language being poetic it has stayed with me that line because now suddenly I'm thinking in a multi-dimensional sense because Yes, we have words, right, for speaking yes. and hearing, for hearing people, rather, we use our words. And yes, we have body language uh, that also adds to communication, you know, our gestures and all of that. But now what sign language does as well is that spatially, you know, as you said, you are creating this canvas, this picture, but it's almost like a 3D canvas that one has to imagine. And so even yes. the power of the imagination for one who is receiving your interpretation or who's receiving the language, sign language from you, must be, it, 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 it must be able to, to paint and bring to life in the mind the story that you are telling. Which is, yeah, that's true. Wow. That's, that's, I get yeah, it it's a, <laughs> yes, it's I a, it. I, I love it. I, you, you have to learn it, Azani. We have to make time and you have to learn the language. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. how are you going to communicate with my dad since we're friends? Like, because you're going to meet my dad. How are you going to say we'll hello? We're coming over for like, you know, Sunday brunch and lunch and we're playing golf and golf. Of I course. So I would love to learn how to dance from your dad because I'm as stiff as a twig. <laughs> I just love it. I love it. Oh, I've absolutely loved learning from you, to be honest, because we see how narrow um, and maybe how small sometimes our worlds can be. And mm. speaking to you has definitely made it possible for, for me, at least in this conversation, to think beyond um, our own narrow selfish interest and to, you know, go outside and see and, and just have a sense of how other people are moving through this world. Yes. I've loved it. Which which job has been etched in your memory? Yes, Oprah told you you're great. I know, and other Obamas, <laughs> but which which one in the moment? Because sometimes we are so in flow, we are so present that you remember that this is how I want to feel when I'm doing this. And it's not always the big stage. It's not always the big yes. names that you are interpreting for? Is there one yeah. that is just so etched in your mind? Um, there is. And I think this is by far, um, and I know from outside one will go, oh, please, it's a kiddie show. 
um, I was afforded an opportunity to interpret for Dagalani. Yeah. And it is, if today I were to choose between interpreting for number one and Dagalani, I would choose Dagalani. <laughs> Dagalani Sisimi. It is yeah. the most challenging, but it is the most fulfilling because um it 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 challenges it challenges me to the highest point because my target market is children who haven't developed a language yet so this is great arts this is foundation stage so i'm not signing using the normal vocabulary you almost have to be out of character um yeah. as an interpreter as the, um, what is expected of you and actually be all these little characters and act out what is being said and to see the face in those kids eyes when they're happy and they follow and they understand and they chat amongst themselves on what they're seeing on the screen Azania, i cried i was like mm. okay god it's okay, can come back. When is Jesus coming back? <laughs> um, yes, and my daughter enjoys it. For me, that's that's yeah, that's 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 I I, I love I love doing kids' story. Yes, that's the one for you. That's you know one. what, and this uh, just continue with this incredible passion. Um, the world is your stage, truly, and I think. As a sign language interpreter, you're part of a very visible pantheon of essential workers um, and an essential service in our world so that everybody is included and everybody has a place and that no one is left behind or left out of what is going on. I just want to celebrate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Asanya. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Azanian Life brings you Interiority, a podcast which explores the inner aliveness of a people, hosted by Azania Musaka. Technical and music production by Mpontangeni from OCB.